Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, and that Technicolor rainbow in between. Cool idea, we're excited. Today. We're getting towards the end. Where will this go? Only one way to find out. And in case you didn't know, my name is Sol, and let us not waste any time. Mystery guest at the table. Who are you, and what do you do? It is the bad life choice. Six foot one, 305 pounds of pure beat your ass terror. So I am coming in to join the podcast with you, my guy. Guys. Soak it in, we've got another wrestling guest on the podcast, Mr. Caden Cassidy. Welcome. Welcome to the Renegade Roundup. Thank you. It is, uh, it's been a long time coming. We've been acquaintances here and there. I believe the very first time that I ran into you was a one-off show in Tacoma. Woo, that and <laughs> you want to talk that, about a show that could be like anything that can go wrong went wrong that was that was a bad show yeah and i felt bad and that's exactly why not too long ago we had matt of the flex network and that was my priority number one is like make sure that the guys get taken care of because we've gone through that we've seen it right and that was the sad part about it because i can handle a match that wasn't up to my expectations i can handle bad weather and music being awful and all that. That's fine. What I can't handle is, hey, man, we still did a job. We did it for you. We're planning for the second show, and none of us got paid? Like, I was like, dude, that's crazy. And the thing is, I think that guy moved. So we can't even, like, run into him. He's gone. Mm -hmm. I've always heard about the term tent promotions. Mm -hmm. And nobody wins in that and... and there were moments of that that were great from a viewer's perspective, just because, like, I think the lightning storm that happened during that added such an atmosphere to it. And again, I got to meet certain people that I uh, still keep in touch with to this day, and you are certainly one of them. And I've had the opportunity to pick your brain and just shoot the breeze with you, and now we're just in a official setting to do so. And again, it definitely seems like, how many plates are spinning in the background for you? Jeez, <laughs> always something going on. It uh -huh. never stops. I figure, hey man, one of them will keep spinning, and I'll keep making money. That's why I'm always doing something. Even now, like I said, I got, I got you. Before you, I had the bike, and then I got to go ahead and go to a personal training session. Then I'm about to go ahead and go buy a car and sell a car, and take the kids out. Then I got to get wrestling training tomorrow. It's a whole different thing. Always something. How long have you been doing this wrestling thing now? About seven years now. But, you know, I don't count the pandemic time. So sure, sure. I wasn't That's doing fair. anything. So I think for me about, yeah, six, six, six and a half years. But for me, it's been, it's been a journey. It's been great. You know, for me, it's yeah. always been how far can I get? 
right? Sure. You know, here's, here's a former poor kid from New Jersey. Grew up, then I moved to Portland. Decided that this is something that I love and wanted to do. And I said, let's just try. And, you know, the amount of people that I've, I've met is worth it alone. Like, I tell people all the time, it's like, it's not just the job. It's the journey to get the job. Sure. Um, you know, between meeting the grappler, meeting Buddy Wayne, meeting Jake the Snake, you know, uh, meeting Dolph Ziggler, meeting Harley Race, who was one of my favorites growing up. It's been a blast. And you meet, you keep meeting other people. I met Sammy Guevara right before he got signed to AEW. And I felt bad because I thought he was somebody else. <laughs> but then, like, you know, mm-hmm. we get down. And that was a thing. Um, international or, you know, stateside, any kind of international sensation. Barrett Brown met him, too. Uh, met Clark Connors before Clark Connors got big. Nice. Uh, met Jet Knight before Jet Knight got big. And it's so cool because it's like, look, I got two boys. Mm-hmm. Even if there was the, let's attack it, let's attack it, let's attack it, let's get signed, let's get signed, let's get signed. You know, my, my biggest thing is I got to come home, right? I got to come home to my boys. I got to be able to be a dad to them. Something that was said to me, and I think it was years ago, was, hey, man, even the best part-time dad is still a part-time dad. And some folks don't love their kids and or they think their kids are a nuisance. I love my kids. They're, my, they're like my reason for breathing, literally. You know, I had a pretty pretty troubled past. So for me, having kids, and that is nothing but motivation every day. Yeah, being able to, to pay it forward and just doing the right things for the right people, absolutely. You mentioned about not knowing Sammy Guevara. I made the mistake. I thought Derek Drexel was Kizarni the first time that I met him. So, <laughs> so uh, I can do that, though, and they're friends. They're good friends. That's, yeah, that's so cool. It's funny. You, you have the background, and it's like I'm looking like, oh, kid bike, T-Mobile thing. Some Final Fantasy X toys. <laughs> it's like the hot sauce. Not the freaking badass, you know, high top Nikes. The hot sauce. The hot sauce. God dang. <laughs> what is uh, the Cholula? Uh, oh, you know, you know, it's if you got the stuff, you got the stuff, you know? Oh, man, I gotta get that. For me, I'm a spicy food guy. I don't know about no, you. I can put a little bit like. Right. Just to give you an idea. The first time that I ever tried Sriracha mm-hmm. was when Subway was doing their Hunger Games promo. I and um, yeah, my mouth could not take it. Like I can do jalapeno. I can do chipotle. My old D&D friend, he did this thing where you get the chipotle sauce and you get the sweet onion sauce and you get like the spice and the sweet and it kind of like cancels each other out a little bit. So I will occasionally do that. But um it's been a minute since I've had curry, so I don't exactly know how my body will uh, handle that. But I think it's one of those things that, like, you got to have good curry. You can't go to, like, any average Joe Schmo place to get some kind of peanut not curry sort of thing. you got to get the good stuff if you're going to go for that experience. Right. It's like if you were to go out and get pad thai. There's good pad thai. There's bad pad thai. Mm-hmm. I've had bad pad thai where it's like... It feels like you just took a thing of Jif and just, you know, <laughs> popped with some noodles and added mm-hmm. some of the blandest chicken ever. I've had that. You know, yeah. for, for me, it's like I want, I do want the spiciest. I have, as I as I call it, been put on my ass. 
and learned a couple lessons. Mm-hmm. But I still absolutely love it. I have one where uh, we went to a restaurant. I've been there before so many times, and I'm like, man, it's like, it's good. It's a nice little burn, but it's not like what I'm looking for. Sure. And I go up to the guy. I'm like, how come it's not like hot? It's like you want hot. I'm like, what's the hottest you got? He's like, I got you. Don't worry. I got you. <laughs> right. So when I get home, it's like you know how Pad Thai has a little red, bro. It's like it looks like vampires kiss. Like, like I'm rolling it up on the fork, and you can just feel the heat emanating from it. And I'm like, uh huh. This is gonna be a problem. <laughs> I feel like by halfway through, my stomach is doing the gear shift. You can hear that mm-hmm. back. You know, then, you know, of course, you have uh, the the hot mouth. It was crazy. Sadly, I've had it like three more times. <laughs> there is definitely some of that food where it's like you have that come to Jesus meeting. And then afterwards, you're like, I want to do it again. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do you think Bird King is or, or Carl's Jr.? You know, it's awful. You would you. think that I would learn my lesson with Taco Bell. <laughs> I had a I had a Taco Bell cheat meal a couple of days ago. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is awful. Why would I ever eat this again? Those seven-layer burritos kind of hit. <laughs> I miss the Frito burrito, man. Yeah, it was so good. That was the best value item out of any chain anywhere. And they got rid of that. You can no longer buy just a single Dorito taco. You have to get it in like the box or in other specialty things. Which is ridiculous. And then they also they got rid of the caramel empanada. They did? They made me man. very sad. Yeah, back in, like back in high school, those used to used to be hidden. Mm-hmm. Like two of those, walk home. Better than the food. McDonald's apple pies. Oh, because they're garbage. <laughs> like we, so, Taco Bell, and this is like the last thing I mentioned of food because, of course, I'm going to be hungry after a bike ride. <laughs> uh, they used to have, which is so American, a chili cheese burrito. Yep. So they had their fake chili and cheese, and it was over peppered. But there was something about when you added the Taco Bell sauce to it. Yep. It made it so good. So I used to get like three of those things. I'm basically eating a can of chili in, in, in a tortilla. Now I'm just... Oh, my God, it's so good. Yeah, it's like, potential well, unlocked. Oh, yeah. It's freaking amazing. Pretty like, yeah. I miss it because it was just like, you know, it was a dollar. You know, when you are when you grow up poor, you know, everybody has those staples. And for me, that was a staple. Like, I need to have this. I need to yep. have something that kind of keeps me going today. It was that and... Uh, I think for me, it was that and JoJo's. Yeah, JoJo's, like, if you go to the right spot and get, like, a thing of JoJo's or a thing of, even a thing of tater tots. Uh, talking about the pandemic stuff, a lot of the local businesses in my town closed down because of not getting enough business or not expanding and doing the Uber Eats or, or any of that stuff. A lot of local mainstays. And one of the best places we had was a place called The Swiss. And they had arguably tater tots that were like crispier and better seasoned than like taco time like they were the go-to place for gourmet burgers tater tots and it was like they had a specific section in the back of the bar area where you would have live performances every weekend that building itself is like a landmark building so they're never going to get rid of it because it's you know it's that old it's that ancient right that happened you got to have it. It's a part of the landscape. But uh, unfortunately, the business after, what, 40, 50 years, couldn't keep afloat. Um, what's, your, I was thinking- uh, what's your opinion on, because I know I just I just got an email from a buddy of mine. He's like, did you hear that In-N-Out Burger is finally coming to Portland? They're making the way up the, the West Coast. 
Hmm. I'm like, oh, so that means like Seattle area is going to be packed as heck. There's no way you're going to be able to get in that line because there's nowhere really to put it in a viable area. Like, what are you going to do? Go to, you know, ask one of the people who own a Dick's drive-in to sell Dick's? And no, it's not going to happen. No. Expanding a business, especially in Seattle, is going to be really tough. See also every joke about I-5 Seattle ever. Um, <laughs> God, right? The fact that back in the 70s, it was like the biggest punching bags were I-5 and Meridian traffic. My dad apparently said that as far back as the 70s, there were bumper stickers that said, pray for me, I drive on Meridian. <laughs> and so, so for listeners that don't know, Meridian is a local street that is technically also a highway. It connects two towns on like opposite ends. But it has traffic like a freeway would. And it's it's monstrous to go through. And uh, Pack Ave, which is like a couple miles one direction away from Meridian, also gets pretty bad at certain parts at certain times of the day. I think, you know, we don't have anything like that anymore. We have a couple of things that I would say are close, but not that bad. Like, I think with Portland, the traffic is... You can get around it. I think for me, the thing that sucks is like to get where I got to get to, it's always like, oh, it's 15 minutes in the morning, like everywhere else. And you would think, yep. oh, it's just an additional 15 minutes to get there because the traffic, it's like 30. Like I'll go to uh, Tigard to, you know, take care of business and, you know, yep. handle some stuff and come back. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, by the time I get back to my side of Portland, it's like 47 minutes. And I'm like, dude, yep. by the time I get there, all I want to do is just crashing the couch for 30, 40 minutes because even the drive was tiring. It's insane. Yep, it's Yeah, it's like any time that I'm on I-5 going to or from Seattle, it's only 30 minutes technically, but it's going to take an hour because you're dealing with bumper to bumper right when you get on the county line. Yeah, it's it's you're not winning this. Mm -mm, Do your best to get through it, get home, like relax. It's it's dumb, but... It's, it's why like my, uh, my dad, he worked just north of that county line for almost 20 years at Warehouser, and he said that if I wasn't doing nights, I wouldn't have done it as long as I did. No. And that's a big thing. Commute to a job. So like, you know, I, I remember talking to somebody who worked with Apple, and they said that they had an hour commute to their job every day. Yep. And I'm like, if it wasn't Apple, no way. I had people that attempted to work at Nintendo commuting from Spanaway, and they're like, the amount of money that I spent on gas to get to and from work negated any gain that I would have on my paycheck. You got to move. With jobs like that, you have to eventually move. Yep. It just sucks when you have a house or some, you know, a kind of investment going yep. on over there where you shouldn't move. You know, for me, I always think like, you know, I got I got a rental property and I'm like, I don't want to be too far from it. But then at the same time, it won't matter. I could easily send somebody over there. Yeah. Trust to check the rental property. It's whatever. I'm trying to get two, but that's just going to be a while. It's very difficult to make a living, and we are living in such the paradox where nothing is true and everything is permitted. Just the way that things were, and the way that things were taught to me, and the way that businesses and life in general works. Within the last couple of years, that mirror has been shattered. It's nothing, nothing works as it used to, and there's just some markets where it's better to be lucky than good. It is, uh, it is tough. It is tough to make a dollar keep a dollar. Sure. I, I can't really imagine what that's like because for me it's like a little man i can just go to work whatever i want do whatever i need to yep but for some people i'm like god dang man like you gotta work 
literally at seven, eight in the morning and you're dealing with pretty much nothing, it's okay traffic. But the moment right. you're off, you're blasted. You're sitting here like, God, what do I have to do in this car? Or if you're on a, on the uh, train, what do I have to do on this train? You have nothing. I know people who legit only invest in things like Nintendo Switches and if you so can find one, a Vita just uh -huh. for that. I would love to be able to travel more because I definitely got the travel bug when my uh, dad and my stepmom, they got married up in Cape Cod because she has family up there and they're now both retired up in the Cape Cod area. And they paid for my plane ticket to go up there. And I tell you what, traveling, I got that travel bug that day. Now I just, I just want to go everywhere and see all the things, but that unfortunately just, that's an investment in and of itself. And unless I have a job that is willing to front the bill to do that that's going to be a, a pipe dream right now well, i shoot i agree i was supposed to be at uh versus pro and see some friends do a show all that jazz in vegas and i was like man okay let me go ahead and get down there it was like the beginning of the year it was like four hundred dollars for a ticket to vegas and people are like oh that's not bad i'm like what do you mean that's not bad vegas is like 50 to 80 dollars what are you talking about that's insane. I'd sooner just drive down there and then like, okay, I'll wait. But I think it was June. I'm looking for tickets. And then I see that it was like 2, 2.30. Now I'm like, I could do it. I'll just be mad, right? right. Let me see how much it is to get a car. What I might do, I might, uh, I might just say, forget it. I'll literally fly out the next day. I'll say hi to some friends. I'll go see my dad. And then, you know, I'll probably sleep in his spare bedroom and then get going. And then it was uh, like $100 just for the car. And I'm like, for a day? All right, man, I guess it's Lyft and Uber time. Checking out Lyft and Uber prices and see how much it skyrocketed out there. I'm like, not worth yep. it. Yep. I'll come back. Yep. That's insane. Yeah. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. You take a look at even like the the silicon shortage on how computer parts for everything and we're just only getting a taste of what the rise in prices is going to be i think they mentioned that certain intel processors are going to be looking at as much as a 20 percent increase in cost to manufacture yeah so uh you're looking at I was watching Linus Tech Tips, and he was explaining it where for every $1 that a silicon item goes up to produce, you're looking at that is a $2 increase to the consumer. So you're looking at it for a, I think it's a 17 millimeter and above pinned processor. You're looking at potentially a 40% increase to the consumer. That's insane. That'll make no dang sense. I think uh, I just saw Tesla was going through that, actually, because yep. they had the Model X. Everybody wants the Model X. And uh, it went up from 85000 to 95000 Yep. That's insane. I am also curious on how much of that might be legal costs to Mr. Elon Musk as well, since he's been... Uh, that man is... I know. Uh, is very 2020s, just cannot shut up to save his life. It is very difficult to listen to a guy who has brilliant ideas, and then he says either the stupidest stuff 
or he says stuff that I'm just like, that'll never work. It's not necessarily stupid. It's just, in my opinion, it's, it'll never work. Right. I think it was the other day he said he wants the Model 2 to have no gas or brake pedals, no steering wheel. It'll be controlled by your cell phone. Dude, no. The duality of man in one man. Brilliant ideas, poor execution. Right. Jeez. So you mentioned that you are originally from Jersey. Yeah, I um so I was legit born in Portland, but then I was only here about a year. And my uh my dad doing all the silly things that he did, he thought, Okay, well, I I could do better over here. I got friends over here. I'll find a job and it'll be fine. So him and my mother had split up and I don't, if I remember right, he didn't even ask, you know, he, you know, he did not even ask. He just took me, uh, which was a big problem on its own. And I didn't, sure. I don't think I saw Portland again for 10, 11 years. Mm. Um, so like we lived in a, a town called Absecon and then we lived in a town called Galloway. So it's it's right next to Atlantic City, like it's literally just around the corner. So people are like, I've never heard of Galloway. How about Atlantic City? Oh, I've heard that one. <laughs> okay, cool. So living there was it was it was different, but it's your childhood, so you, you remember it as a blast. Yep. You know the the cool bike trails. A lot of people had cool little kid BMX bikes, and then you um, we lived in a uh, a community that was super serious on uh living with uh like cool halloween decorations and whatnot i remember sure. one halloween everybody had like a theme in the neighborhood we had one guy with the corn maze in his front lawn we had somebody <laughs> with like it was like a skeleton uh what was he called like they were all set up like they were watching you it was the creepiest thing in the world huh okay it was so cool though mm-hmm you you mentioned about the uh, the town that nobody has heard of. I have uh, an aunt and uncle out of Pendleton. Nobody's ever heard of Pendleton, but it's like how far away from Portland is? It? Oh, it's like a couple hours east. It's, uh, Pendleton's three hours, right? About yeah, because it's uh, I remember it being a, a six hour drive from when I was living with my parents. It's Cause... rough, rough yeah. to get out there. Yes, 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 it is. Um, that's why like my uh, we uh, we used to have a uh, um. We used to have a saying that uh, basically it's uh, we don't operate in actual time. We operate in actual legal family surname time. And it's, uh, oh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, you know, we'll leave here by six o'clock in the morning and be up there by 12 noon. Well, we end up not leaving until 12 noon and then uh, getting down there. You know, at uh, six or seven. You know, usually we make a weekend out of it, anyways, because we know it's going to be a trip. It's, it's a pain. It's um for me, like with those long road trips, uh, I've done them so often with my family as a kid. It's really hard for me to enjoy them right, right. now because I'm kind of in like the middle with my own kids. Right? It's like right. mm-hmm. my six year old is not really going to love it. My two year old is definitely not going to love it. Uh-huh. So it's really really tough right now because it's like I can enjoy it if I if I do. But then I have to listen to Dad. He won't give me the iPad. Dad, he won't stop throwing this at me. Or something yep. stinks, and I'm like, your brother probably pooped. Ugh, I gotta pull this out of the road. So there's, like, there's always something. Sure. It's really hard to enjoy those long road trips. We we did an Idaho trip 
to go do a show and that was torture. Mm-hmm. Like six hours just to get there with two kids who are overly rambunctious. Yep. And then we um we typically go to Vegas to see family. Cause my dad's down there, my grandpa's a shot away. Sure. And um it's like, man, okay, we can't afford the flight. I can't afford the hotel. Okay. Let me just go ahead and just drive. We were going to drive for 4th of July. And then I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute, dude. You want to do a 16-hour trip with these two kids? <laughs> <laughs> Let's reevaluate that for a second. Right, right, right. Daddy didn't think that through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that it's moments like this that my dad is thankful that I was an only child. Yeah, dude, man. Only kids. Some, you know, Only ch- children. Like, I tell people all the time, it's like, Y'all got lucky on, on some fronts. Like, man, Christmas was easy for y'all. Thanksgiving should have been easy for y'all. Like, for me, I have... God, I have nine sisters. I have uh, one younger brother. I have uh, an older brother that's on my mom's side. It's sure. it's rough. It's rough because you're bouncing between houses and you have so mm-hmm. many kids to see. It is not an easy battle. Yeah, no, the, the closest thing that I had was um, on my mother's side, uh, she was the oldest of five kids, so I was closest with my cousins growing up, which they were all up in Seattle. So on the weekends, uh, we would usually commute up to Seattle, and I would get to, uh, you know, I'd, I'd do my homework up there and just uh, hang out with uh, my cousins. My uh, uh, The closest ones, I uh, like, there was, a, there was a wide extended family and all that, but I was closest with... Um, my cousin Christy was three years older, and then my cousin Samantha, who I think uh, I think her kid is now almost a year old. She's three years younger than me, and uh, yeah, um, imagine the, the 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 fear of, or at least the the uh, the intimidation of bringing a child into the pandemic era world. It's uh. What's tough? Uh, I, I check up on her every so often. She's she's handling like a champ and um, doing what she can. But yeah, my that's my Italian side. That uh, that's where the wide extended family um, of that all went. It is definitely something to be said about that too. Like I think, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, uh, I don't want kids because this this world is so terrible, and I'm like. Yes, yes and no. Um, that's an argument I hear all the time. And I'm like, I don't know. Just based on where I am, I do see things going a different direction. But then I also do see that some some things do just remain the same. And it is what it is. You know, I always tell everybody, I'm like, the, the denying of having a child is really your call. But, you know, it's been the best job I ever had in my entire life. And, you know, all we can do is prepare our kids. I remember, you know, considering last year, you know, my son asked, what is racism? And it was a horrible thing because I asked my dad about the same age, what is racism? Mm. So it was a very, very tough, you know, loop of having to explain to my kid who is half black, you know, how to understand, you know, this is the world. They, they will never see you at anything but um, the color of your skin in some places. But in other places, they don't care. Like it is, you are just a person. You are you're either cool, or you're not. Yeah. And you know, I'm hoping he understands that. <clears throat> but it's one of the reasons why I don't go to places like Alabama. 
Yeah, fair. Very, very fair. Um, there was, uh, yeah, the uh, um, the Polycult had their incident not too long ago where upstate New York, the show just got shut down. And nobody can explain why or how, except, you know, one person decided to make a call to the police and just shut the whole thing down, and MV Young is now holding the bag. Which, that's gotta really suck that oh. you spent that amount of time to make a all-inclusive pro-LGBT show and it took one phone call to just take that all away and it's it is such a tough thing like I I don't understand I'll never understand people who just don't mind their business yeah I saw a video where there was a couple um, who were just they weren't going globs crazy they were simply kissing in the pools it was two young men and then the two women were you know, antagonizing them. And I'm like, if you don't like it, look away. You don't have to stare. I said, even more so, it's not your life. It's not your business. You shouldn't care at all. You should be thinking, I'm glad they found somebody in this crazy-ass world that appreciates you for you. And that's it. Like, I I will never get it on any level. So it's really tough for me. Um, Like I said, with everything last year, it was really tough because it was like, you're starting to see people who they really are and mm-hmm. you know i would i'll fully admit i was one of the guys who was cutting folks off like look man i'm not gonna sit here and listen to you hate speech on social media that yep. was like you know we a lot of us grew up with that in our childhood and i'm sure you're one of the guys who would just step in like that's not cool a lot of that has t- has had to do with you know me taking a long hard look in the mirror at mm-hmm. you know at at what my role in all of this is and the 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 conclusion that i've had to make is that everything that is going on it's so much bigger than than me individually so the what what i can do to help boost up the voices that need to be heard and not get in the way of progress if that is my role then that's you know i'll happily take that role but you know you're you're right i'll be damned if anybody is marginalized is you know given hate rhetoric it's you know things are really really scary right now and we need all of the power of representation and we're we're seeing that emulated perfectly with the pro wrestling landscape right now you look at the voices that are the faces that are using their voice for good you see all the moves that swerve has been doing for hit row and you see how that reaches out and touches people you look at nyla rose you look at mv young you look at effie you look at Paro, you look at all of these diverse dynamic voices that are saying hey the status quo no longer applies and you have people that look like me that are scared and they have every right to be I mean, everybody's scared on some level, whether it be their friends, their spouse, their area. It's tough. And you're absolutely right. And I love that you brought up all those people. And by the way, Pero is one of the biggest motherfuckers I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) He looks huge. Like, he actually looks like part bear. Oh, my God. Like, he posted a picture (laughs) yesterday that said, the bear. And I said, there's two ways to go about this. And then I saw the one way where you had a couple people simping. And then I was like, Look, that is one person I would love to meet. Like, 
everything about them absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know if it's just because of the NWA contract that I hope is not his personal life. He should be featured in many, many places. The guy is absolutely gold. His promos are gold. When he turns it up, I'm like, you are a s I I consider myself scary when upset. That's a guy that he's on a whole different level. He completely changed my tune with that Effie match. Oh my god, right? So good. Incredible. And then I think they have a part two or three, uh, whichever one coming out. And I've seen Give them twenty. Have yeah. it be an anthology between the two of them. They're, they're, and I'm sure they're good friends. Sure. And Effie being so young and getting all this attention, I'm hoping he gets picked up at a major corporation. But I know he has so many bookings and so many things. And uh, just like Dark Sheik, it's all about the representation and also mm-hmm. having fun with it. Dalton Castle. Dalton is so great. It makes me sad and, and happy at the same time. Like I know he loves Ring of Honor. I would love to see him in another medium because he deserves to be seen around the world on a different platform as well. Mm-hmm. As big, as good as he is and the the miles he's put in his body, I would love to see him have a big hoorah for his last year. Because he, I think sure. almost two years ago was going to be his last year. Oh, Again, wow. Yeah, okay, yeah. Back is just so bad. And um, I, like, I would right. love to see him in AEW. Would love to see that guy in AEW. But I understand what it is to be loyal. But and, yeah. and even just a mentorship role in AEW, just think of like from a ring psychology aspect, how much he could give to a locker room. Oh yeah. There's no doubt in the world. I remember watching, I think it was for the first time 2014, I think, maybe 15, mm-hmm. where I saw him come out for a big match and he had all the cabana boys and whatnot holding him up and he's posing. And I've said the amount of heat this guy is going to get for this is going to be hilarious. It's like, you know, and then you watch guys like Lil Nas X getting the same yep. type of heat. I'm like, this is the perfect time for these characters. Cause part of them is real life. And part of it is just that turn it up to 11. But like mm-hmm. I said, I love seeing the representation and Darren Young's one guy that I wish we could see more as well. Mm-hmm. Have you seen him recently? Not recently, no. Oh my god, it. it's like they have carved... He has recarved his body out of granite, I swear to god. I just saw a picture of him, and I was like, you know what, you're one of the few guys I'm going to say, damn, if you look that good in the Speedo, flaunt it. Do it. Like, the guy's quads are shredded. Abs are shredded. And he's like, yeah man, right now I'm just kind of bouncing everything in. I'm drinking two gallons of water a day to stay full, and I'm like, bro, Oh god. What? Like, I drink one gallon a day, and sometimes that's a challenge. You're on two? You're on two, God. But, you know, it's a completely different animal. Yep. He has to have the hydration for what he does. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he works out hard. So, yeah. It's amazing to see it's all what you put in is what you get out of it. You take a look at the, on the local scene, you take a look at the transformation, the metamorphosis, if you will, of Dave Turner. And how yeah. he's just completely transformed his body. Watching Dave turn from 2000, I think it was 11 or 12 Dave, with the little sports jacket and very yep. chubby to chiseled these days is, is very interesting to watch. It's, it's, yes. It makes me happy for him. I I wish that Dave would uh, be able to, I wish he could break out more, but I understand like he has so many commitments and there's so many things going on in his circle. Yeah. 
and it's uh you know he i remember at the same promotion that we met i actually had an opportunity to get training uh with dave and he talked about it is a, a whole nother level of commitment to do like the WWE schedule and to be on the road 200 plus days a year. And it's not for everybody. And he said, it's okay if you want to just be uh, a weekend warrior and do this because you're still doing what not a lot of people can are able to do. Right. I mean, like, you know, I always think about it. Like I've always said ring of honor contract would be what I want, but to do ring of honor, you got to move clear across the U.S. and I'm not moving back to the East Coast anytime soon unless it is for a lot of money. Sure. Um, sure. I just can't bring myself to do it. Not if I got the contract to begin with, it is very tough to get in that business. Mm-hmm. There is nothing but clear talent throughout the locker room. You got to bring it. When I met Punishment Martinez, mm-hmm. uh, or now, you know, Damian Priest, he was talking about what he had to do to get through Ring of Honor to make it to finally be accepted in my, and dude, you're one of the best that I've seen, but it just be that way. It's tough. It's a mental game as much as it is a physical game. Yeah. And especially the, the market and the, the pool of talent that is just that bar is just exponentially getting higher. You take a look at, I'm just, I'm just going through my Twitter feed and just trying to find talent that are just really killing it right now. And it's like, we talked a little bit about representation and two of my, Oh my god, uh, Kaiju. Yes, him too. Kaiju is another good one. I was also thinking of talking about representation and just seeing the next generation of talent. Let's talk for a moment about Big Swole and Jade Cargill. Big Swole's awesome. She... I didn't realize that I knew Jade Cargill as that Storm cosplayer. Because of course she is. That's funny. I had no idea. Jade Cargill has the most immaculate, comic book perfect Storm cosplay. She's all muscle. Well, both of them are incredibly strong and jacked and talented. And and again, that that representation and seeing that women can do the big guy stuff as well. I will always look at, obviously, early days of Jazz and Awesome Kong, who recently retired... And then you have the next evolution of that with like Jordan Grace and just all the talent just bringing it, dude. Grace is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I watch her work um, here and there, but every time I see her, it's just nothing but improvement. Even like her appearance. I saw a picture of her recently where it was her from the pandemic and it's she was still in great shape. But her this year, I'm just like, dude. Between her and her husband, they they keep yes. pushing that ball. And Swole, you know, Swole, I think she has she has a kid with Cedric. She's still doing. She's still being a mom as best she possibly can. She's been in the PWI numerous times. Been on Shine. Been on Rise. She's been everywhere she has to be. And mm-hmm. to see her get these opportunities in AEW, what more could you ask for? And so I love seeing everybody get a piece of the pie. That that for me is. Right now, everything for me, just seeing that we have a chance to go in a positive direction, mm-hmm. which I still don't understand what Brandy was talking about, talking about you guys want black champs. When we get black champs, we don't see them or you don't see them. I'm like, what? Dude, whether they're whether they're black or whether they're, you know, uh, like Miro from some crazy part of Russia, whatever, we this is what we do want. And not because we want everybody to be 
uh, a person of color, we want to see representation. We want to see right. that these companies see this talent. Look at Roman Reigns, and this has been his best year. And not just because yep. he's Samoan, he's a great he's a great wrestler. Miro reinvented himself uh, as God's champion, and to me, it was kind of a nod of JBL. By the way, I don't know if sure. you that too. You know, mm-hmm. uh, God's gift to wrestling. Yep, oh, mm-hmm. wonderful wrestler. I think a lot of that as well has to do with the uh, the response of the Bel Air squash. I think yeah. just I think a lot of that is more the knee jerk reaction of the most over talent in the last few years with WWE being Kofi Kingston and Bianca Belair. And it just seemed like a Thanos yeah. snap and all of that momentum is gone. And it's like it sadly it is what it is. But I and I agree with the fans. I don't understand how we have this person who's being built up. And if you would have let her lose after like a 25 minute match, I think a lot of people could just stomach it. We understand by right. is the man, the person to beat in the woman's division. And I love that. However, 30 seconds, like if she was hurt and she was going away for a while, I could totally understand that. But that wasn't the case. But, you know, at the end of the day, like every other wrestler will tell you, it's Vince's playroom. He does what he wants. Yep. But it was going to work. And he wanted big numbers. He wanted a surprise win. Especially at the heels of the CM Punk reveal from AEW. Which it's like- I, now CM Punk is saying that WWE did reach out to him, even though we also had people say, let him be their headache, you know, which is kind of funny to me. It's like, look, you know dang well that have been great for business to do. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the years that have gone back has been seven, eight years of him being gone. I'm pretty sure he's tamed himself enough. Sure. You have been, you know, someone to work around and been a pleasure to work around. So you shouldn't have had a problem. I'm sure he would have loved to have worked with some of the people from NXT. Could you imagine a Johnny Gargano with CM Punk? Oh, gosh, right? There would have been a Johnny, Ciampa, even, you know, and some people wouldn't say this, I think even a Dexter Loomis match versus CM Punk would have been fun. Dexter Loomis is surprisingly a character that I never would have expected to go over in the ways that I never would have expected. It's like Dexter Loomis and uh, Cameron Grimes are two of the most surprising talents to be over. It definitely seems like Give him an inch, they'll go a mile. Like, for me, Dexter Loomis is Dragunov from Tekken. Yeah! And Cameron Grimes is, like, everybody knows that guy like Cameron Grimes. And it's it's wonderful to see that. I think, uh, going back a little bit to the whole CM Punk thing, I think it's very telling that on his return to AEW, not one iota of a mention of anything WWE-related. So I think there is sort of that he's come to peace with it. And so that's not a, that's not a candle that he's burning. Cause you know, when you burn that on both ends, you're going to eventually burn yourself out. So I think he's just now at a place where he acknowledged that it happens, but he doesn't let that power him. He is writing his own next chapter. I think that should be the way to go about it. Like he really didn't mention WWE for that long. And people were, like bagging on him. I think you have Booker bagging on him saying it was a missed promo. It was bad. And I said, CM Punk could have came out there 
and talked about his dangling for 15 minutes and folk would have loved it. Yep. And said it and said Booker was thinking that it should have been more like The Rock. Look, man, that's not what the crowd needed. They wanted an explanation. They got an explanation. They wanted to talk about what he was going to do with the future. He did talk about the future. Mm-hmm. And, of course, his first match is with the future in Derby. 100%. And the people still love him because the servers for Pro Wrestling Tees went down the moment that his shirt went live. I did not even know that. That's insane. Yep. I think it was within... It was like for the entire weekend, they had to find new servers because CM Punk's shirt crashed the site. I love that. That's that's the dream. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. You see, but though it's... it's uh, I'm happy for him, man. It's like, you know, to finally come full circle it kind of reminds me in a way of when Shawn michaels had to retire because his back yeah he tried to come back but there was so many issues and when he finally came back he had finally got over that injury and finally got over that hump of the drugs and he found he refound himself in wrestling and had a a better run i'd say the the third time because not the second time and it was great it was wonderful Mm -hmm. You know, I'm hoping he has that. I think Punk is 43 this year. Sounds you know, about right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Look, man, you like like Edge. You can go out there and do it, and have all the fun in the world. I would say give it five years, yeah. and if not five years, just do four years. No one's asking you to, but he's willing to do it. I love it. With the landscape of pro wrestling, both locally and nationally and internationally, have the landscape has changed so much let's go ahead and dive into that for a second so you said that you've been in this for seven plus years right and you uh you started so did you start wrestling in jersey or did you relocate i um at the time i was living here by then so i got back to portland at about 14 15 okay and our plan was to be here for a sip of coffee and leave but you know my dad was like I want to move to Vegas, and at the time, it, it was just not an, a. It was not something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of drama there. I said, "Nope, I'm good. I'm going to just stay here." So I played football from seventh grade all the way to senior year, and I wrestled collegially from freshman year all the way to senior year, and I got a city championship. But like when it came to getting a state championship, I w- I could I never understood cutting because i never wanted to cut so I would, sure i would diet but like if i even touch a weight i would go up so it was so hard for me because i was lifting weights and i was trying to eat the right foods but i'm also like a kid so i didn't right. really get it so like it was one of the biggest travesties i think in my life of never going further sure i ended up kind of having a horrible 20 to 24 and I, like, I, I gained like uh, almost a hundred pounds after high school. Mm-hmm. So one day, a buddy of mine's like, "Hey, man, I need you to have this funk. There's a backyard company you'll love." And then I worked with the backyard company uh-huh. for about a year, and I had fun. And it kind of got my gears turning. Like, why would I do this for free and kill my body? And I could easily just go get trained and do something. So I ended up meeting up with some folks and I met Josh Barr, who is a legendary owner, uh, Sandy Barr's son and the okay. brother of Art Barr, um, Eddie Guerrero's tag partner. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Right. So already starting with the clear, but Josh, as good as Josh was, Josh was not, he was a collegiate wrestler. He wasn't really, he didn't want to be a pro wrestler, but he was trying to introduce us. And then I went to the WCWC training school, which that's a whole story on its own. But I met great wrestlers from there. You know, I met Darby Allen. I met Jack Stewart. I met Flex Walker. I met Julian. Well, Julian, I was already best friends, but I watched him grow. I met, uh, God, who else did I meet? Uh, Was it, uh, oh, there's one more, Cash. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, man. He's known as Invictus now, yes? Yeah, he's Invictus, Invictus Cash. And you're you're meeting all these people, and you're watching everybody grow, and it just inspires you. So, I left that school. The owner and I never got along. Uh, he had this Vince McMahon complex, mm. and I was like, I can't, I can't do him. So I took the harder way. I went out, and I basically was finishing up my training in front of everybody. So it was like DOA took a risk on me and I'm finishing up my training and learning what it is to be a character and learning what it is to be a wrestler. And then another company in WWA in 2015 took a chance on me. And it's the same thing. I'm learning what it is, how to be a champ, why do we become champions and Mm -hmm. how to put together sequences and all this stuff. And you're learning from the best in the area. And for me, it was, it was, uh, Dr. Cleaver, it was, you know, Homeboy Quiz, it was CJ Edwards, it was uh, Wade, and so many others, even especially Drexel, because Drexel would ride with me, or I'd ride with him to mm-hmm. places like Canada. And he'd pick their brains for hours on end and try to figure it all out. So sure. it's like, you know, some folks just come to it naturally. For me, I did uh, acting as well, I did theater. So like for me, it was like if I could get the character part down, the wrestling part will will be a little slower, but I'll I'll get it. Sure. And I think I've had three evolutions of the Cassidy character now. I went from the Playboy to kind of like a bouncer thug type gimmick, and then I've become the Kingpin gimmick as of recently, which is so far my favorite version of the character because it's so much more me. And I still remember walking out the curtain and hearing at six foot one, 265 pounds, here's the white girl's kryptonite. And fucking everybody just dying. It was such a preposterous name. And I could never, I, I would have fun with it, but it was, it was hard because the promos that I would cut were never about getting laid, paid, and made. It was, you know, sure. I would still cut serious promos. And sometimes I'd have a jokey session here and there. And I had a, we used to do a show at NWWA called The Safe Word. So, oh, yeah. oh, okay. It was so funny. So, like, you huh. know, I had Safe Word shirts and posters and all this other stuff. So I was, I was doing it, but I wasn't doing it in the way that things should have been done. Right. And then, you weren't feeling it. Right, right, right. And, then when you met me was kind of the tail end of like that thuggish portion of the character sure. with the leather jackets and the backwards baseball caps or the hoodies or whatever, because that's not really who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm very much, 
I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm, I am, but I'm very much like my father. I like nice things. Um, sure. my wife uh-huh. will tell you it's, she's like, I hate it because we'll start making more money and then you want a bigger TV. You want a better car, <laughs> you want a suit or you want a better jacket. And I'm like, that's my father. And that's how he was. I remember he told me that he had a 60, a 67 or 66 Corvette Stingray. That was his first car. Oh, wow. You know, baby blue got in trouble all the time. He was in the Oregonian for having the most tickets in a single summer because he could, he always got caught. So got that lead foot. Oh my God. It's bad. I remember riding with him (laughs) when he got his Range Rover for the first time, champagne on the outside, black rims, black interior. It was, it was one of the first ones that had the suspension lift and we would always play with it and show it out to people. And then of course, you know, you get older and it's like, oh, all he wants to do is show out. And then you, you realize you're kind of the same way. <laughs> so like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I remember I was talking to um, Kikyo, who's one of my, one of my best friends in wrestling. Okay. okay. Um, she's, she's great. I, I don't understand why, why, why she's not signed to, to a contract right now. I think when she gets her knees healthy, she'll be fine. But um, she was like, you know what? It's like you, you should go more of a Wilson Fisk kingpin type gimmick. You know, if you could find that medium, that makes sense to you. And, you know, my wife is like, I agree. If you took away your inhibitions, you'd be one mean bastard. Because there's people like, oh, he's so nice. And I'm like, if you could only read my mind half the time. Right. Uh-huh. It, like, and that's where it comes from. Because she gets to hear me vent about like all the negative and when I can go into that deep dark place for even a second that I kind of have to pull away from it. Um, sure. And we just started putting everything together. Like, Hey, how would this character look? How would he hold himself And building a building? A character is very, very much fun to me because you're thinking of the way they talk and the why, what their goals are for the day. Yep. And you're thinking about what do they wear and, putting music together like man if i had it my way and there was 21 and over shows all the time i'm pretty sure i would come out to like some ti Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i was listening to jefe and i was like oh if we could do that oh yeah no problem Mm -hmm. but then like you know things just can't go that way so i was i bought a fur coat from a buddy of mine i went to the store i bought some 300 sunglasses and i loved them you know, and I said, I'm going to drop the outfit that I've been wearing. Because I had, like, the Christian look where I had the singlet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had the, the pants and the boots. And I never really liked it. It just was something that worked. Sure. And I'm going to go back to the singlet. When I first got in, I had a singlet. I'm going to go back to the singlet. It's much easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was looking for music. I, was, I have over 15,000 songs on my iPhone. Like, mm-hmm. so going through music is hard for me. So I'm looking up Rick Ross, you know, I'm looking up old school songs. Like maybe I can come out to something like an old school R&B song and, and like, it won't, it won't be scary. It'll just be that subtle until the person gets in the ring and then it's like, it's not so subtle. Oh my God. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I remember watching uh, Invincible and I heard the song that I'm using right now. And I sent it around to some friends of mine. I said, what do you think about this song? They said, it speaks to me because 
That is how you hold yourself. You hold yourself, not that you're better than everybody, but you have a standard that you want to meet. Um, mm-hmm. And look it up. It's called Make Way for the King. Make it's, Way for the King. Okay. It's 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 not only catchy. It's it's really about keeping your your head up and keeping that status and about being the best and the baddest. And I love that I'm hearing it everywhere now. By the way, I heard it last night on a uh, Avengers game trailer for uh, T'Challa. <clears throat> and oh, made, yep. Mm-hmm. And that made me even more happy. I was like, I love that it's getting around this this rapper who's pretty good actually um, is is getting more noticed. And the, I think I debuted it at Five CC which was, I think, is my second match back in the pandemic mm-hmm. world. And I remember Dave Turner came up to me and he said, that fits you so well because it makes me think that you're, it makes me think that you think you're better than everybody. And That's I was like, cool. You know, so just like you, we got one. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the reason that I use that is, again, this little passion project, I am very fortunate to be amidst the presence of so many uh, influential, passionate, what have you, people that are making it happen. And so for me to be able to have a wrestler on this passion project of a podcast, that is worth celebrating every single time. Because, you know, again, I I understand, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the Rock's advice. Know your role. And occasionally you have to shut your mouth and let the people speak. So knowing where my role is for the time being, which... It's always subject to change because, you know, this roller coaster that is life. You know, it's important to acknowledge those great moments because me five years ago wouldn't have even thought that I would be on a first name basis with pro wrestlers. I think had you got in when you could have, I think you I think you'd be where you need to be right now. I think you'd be having a lot of fun. But the thing is. Like I told Lyle when I met Lyle for the first time, we need guys like you because you help tell our stories. Like we don't get on the independence a lot of time to go out to the ring and tell our personal stories and, you know, why we do what we do, why we, you know, why we, like you said, have this passion to do this business, to be entertainers. I, I think I've told maybe a handful of people like what my life was like from one to kind of like I'd say thirteen, fourteen, and okay. it, um, it was tough. You sure. know, I grew up uh, with a prostitute for a mother, drug addict. My dad was a pimp. Literally, we were always moving and getting away from the law. My grandparents were drug runners. It was hard. You know, so for me, it's like I, I have the want to always do better than that. I never want I never wanted to resort to the quote unquote family business to survive. Sure. And everybody got out of that game. Like my mom got out of it years ago, my dad got out of it years ago and so on and so forth. But it's like to have been so desperate and you know, I always think that something my my stepmom used to say all the time and I I would always hear it. She would say monkey see monkey do. And you know, you hear that all the time and mm-hmm. it's something you you don't think about. And what she was trying to say was, what you do reflects to your kids. Yep. And she was always worried that what my father did would come back to me, um, which it thankfully didn't. I was the guy that wanted to rise above it and get away from that. 
So for me, I use sports like football. You know, I use wrestling. I use acting to get where I'm at now. Now, could I do more? Yes. And some people say they'll argue that, hey, man, you could chase that dream. You can get that contract and your kids will understand. You'll make all the money that will take care of them and your wife and so on and so forth. Yeah, but I wouldn't show them how to be a good dad so much that way. I wouldn't show them that, you know, we don't miss the games. We don't miss the big moments. I remember when I when my son was born, the weekend he was born, I had the Defy show. So I did Defy like the day before he was born. Oh, wow. Right. And then I got a concussion uh, the next day, the day he was born at NWWA. And then I wrestled with a concussion at DOA. Why? Like, why? Why am I doing all that? That's not what was important. But I couldn't help myself. And, you know, now it's been about two years. I would never do that again. My kids are more important than that. You know, my son is starting school, officially going to a forward-facing school on Tuesday. And, you know, I told my wife, like, no bookings, no work, no nothing that day until he's of a point where, how do I put this? I don't, I want him to understand that family's first. Family first, right? I want him to see that, yes, dad is busy, but dad is always going to be present. Something my father never did for me. Even my grandfather, as good as he was, never did for me. Um, I remember going to the the city championships. I told my grandpa I'm so excited. I, I made it. Even though I had a pretty bad win-loss record, I somehow still qualified. And uh, he couldn't make it. He had to work. He did 13, 14-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. He had PTO. Didn't want to use PTO. Um, yep. but he said, yeah, son, I'm proud of you and everything, but I don't like wrestling. Yeah. Right. So going forward, and what I, what I mean by all this is my job now is to guide the future and show them how things should be done and what takes precedence in your life and how mm-hmm. it's supposed to, uh, all that I'm doing for me and them will mold them. And if they have future kids, so on and so forth. You know, when people say I had a bad father, I think I think you had a bad father because no one showed them how to be a good dad. Like I tell my dad all the time, I don't hate you. I think you weren't shown how to be a good dad. You don't understand what it is to be a good dad. You know what it is to be a good dad in your world. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's about the important little things. And uh, right now with my career, I don't know if it's kicking up or winding down. It just is what it is. Sure. I'm just having fun at this point. I'm having a lot of fun just watching my kids watch me do what I do. Like when I went up against, it was Jack, Zebediah Saint, Nick Wayne, Steve Mig. Mm-hmm. And that was a fun match for me. And, you know, when we got in the car and we're, we're going home, watching my kids' reaction oh my God, it was so cool. And you did this and they did that. And uh-huh. the guy did this cool backflip. And you know, I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. You know, he was like, I'm sad you didn't win though. 
He's like, I'm like, that's okay. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm happy you were there. Even though I didn't win, you got to see me do my thing, and you understand what it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, of course, now my two sons won't stop throwing wrestling punches at each other. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, oh man. I I feel like I have to pull up the red velvet couch, pull up a uh, and and have you be the Sigmund Freud for just a hot second here because <laughs> oh my god the the memories that came rushing to me as you were telling your story first of all I was really big into Power Rangers when I was a kid me too and, I used to run home yeah and uh, my parents thought that the violence on television was the reason that I got into fights as a kid. Cannot confirm or deny that. I'm just going to say it wasn't their fault. They taught use martial arts for self-defense. That's my out for that. You also mentioned about wanting to be there for your kids and about the bad father analogy and all that. And what that took me back to personally was, as I've mentioned in uh, off-the-record conversations before, I've wanted to go into wrestling since college. But the unfortunate truth was I would never live up to my father's expectations. My dad is a retired fire lieutenant. He made lieutenant twice. Once as an unpaid intern, once going through the official ranks paid. His dad was the fire chief out of Eastern Washington. They still have newspaper clippings of, I guess at one time, there was at least a half a dozen people in my father's side of the family who were all firefighters. And when I told him post-college that I wanted to go into pro wrestling, it was, okay, you need to prove it to me that you want it. And all he had at his disposal was a single workout bench, a single barbell, a single set of weights. Guess I need to squeeze water out of a rock or something. Right. And, um, and you know, it's every story that I've seen of, you know, successful people. You know, it's like, oh, my parents were happy to pay for wrestling school. And this was also especially the time where um, I was still in my early to mid-20s when I was still living at home because of various things that happened during that time. And, you know, you ideally, you go to your parents for advice. The one thing that I will always remember is that if there was ever anything that was outside of the wheelhouse of what my dad knew, his response was always, I don't know. Look it up, Wick. <sighs> and so I looked up. So 2009, 2010 was not a thriving time for Washington State Pro Wrestling. I've uh, mentioned on the podcast before that the only promotion that I remember was in eastern Washington. Honky Tonk Man had a short run promotion called ICW. And at that time, when I was looking up the website, I remembered that their heavyweight champion was a chef character. I remember that. That was the dark days of pro wrestling. And 
there it was it was never good enough. He could not understand to the point where when I even tried to have heart to heart conversations with my stepmom on wanting to get my dad more involved in pro wrestling stuff to come to shows with me to see what I feel. Well, he doesn't like loud noises. Why do you want to subject him to something that he doesn't like? Because it's important to me. That's exactly what it is. And mm-hmm. I I will never understand parents like that. I'm like, and I think that comes from the last generation, by the way. The last generation was very much that way. Yep. Where if I don't like it, I don't like it. Tough nuts. Yep. Um, And I like how our generation is more of the, no, we just sacrifice. We do it because they want it. Because it's the right thing to do. Right. Like, do, do you think I like any of these kids shows that my kids like? I hate them. My son was watching a show called Vivo or Viva last night mm. on Netflix. And I felt like it was like some kind of soft torture. <laughs> like, like horrible voice acting, awful CGI animation, story that uh-huh. went absolutely nowhere. Uh-huh. But I do it with a smile. Yep. And uh, my dad was the same way. My dad... I remember him saying, um, he called wrestling gay, which I hate people who use that as a home, as a slur. Yep. Um, it bothers me. It's like the first character that I was ever drawn to was gold dust. And you can imagine the retort from high school kids. Oh my God. I bet I would get it. I would get called gay for weird things. Like you're able to drink water without putting your mouth on the bottle and just letting it fall down your throat. You must be gay. You know, weird, stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or, you know, me being more of a... I was more of a metro. Um, okay, yeah, you sure. Know, I like to dress nice. I've yeah. always been that person. And um, I think it's funny to me that people would, you know, try calling somebody's sexuality out on that. So it was always weird to me. But he, he used to call wrestling gay in high school because it's just two sweaty men touching each other all day. Dude, this has been around since like the first days of the actual Olympics. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why you think this is a, a girly sport, as he would say. And I remember we got into a fist fight one day, and I'll never forget. He pushed me. I pushed, and it's so weird when I look at it. He's 6'2, 6'3 on a good day. He's like 199. And at the time, I was like 315 pounds. Like Oof. I ran, I ran the line on the <laughs> the varsity football. Uh huh. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. Like, I think of it now, just like you're stupid. So I pushed him, mm-hmm. and he went through my actual door up to my room. So he got up, and he was so frustrated. He went to my my weightlifting set. And he grabbed my pull-down bar, and he threw it like a javelin through the bar. So he Ooh. comes in. Um, the door has a big hole in it. The door is like now fully off. And uh, he tries to tackle me. So I you know, go ahead and just grab his head. I sprawl, come around, put him in a half Nelson, and I put my knee into his lower back. Ugh. And I was like, I love you. I could kill you if I wanted to. <laughs> um, this this gay wrestling. He, and he was like, let me up. And I'm like, I'm not. I don't have to. Get out of it. 
And, uh, you know, we, we squashed our beef, I think, like, maybe, like, a couple months after. Sure. But he told my mother, I really couldn't move. I was in shock and disbelief. I could not move. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, that's wrestling. That's wrestling. You know, it's and then uh, when I when I started doing pro wrestling, he's been to two matches of mine, a really, really bad one and a really good one. So he's seen the evolution of it all. Yep. And uh, my dad, you ever seen Highlander? Yes. Do you remember when another immortal is around another immortal? They kind of feel something, hear something. There's a disturbance in the force when two Highlanders. Dude, my that's how my dad is. It's so weird. You know he's in the room. It's like a force. It's it's weird as a pressure. And I remember like you can see it in the video. And my my face kind of goes like he's here. And like I turn around and he's staring dead at me. And I'm like, wow. Dude, it, it it took me out of the match. Because I was in such shock that he finally showed up for one. Oh, wow. And after the show, I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? Oh, I saw a flyer with your face on it and said, well, I want to support my kid. I'm like, oh, crap. Cool. You're great. And then um, when DOA had an anniversary show, uh-huh. the same thing. I'm brawling in the crowd. And I think Todd Royce grabbed a bottle or a glass. And I'm on my knees. And I hear, kick his fanny ass, son. <laughs> it was like, what? And he's like, get him. And I'm like, all right, this is awesome. So, you know, we do the whole match. And my mom is there. My dad is there, which is a big deal because they can't stand each other. My stepmom is there. My sister's there with her boyfriend, all wearing my shirts. One of the coolest moments I've had because I did not expect it. So he's come around. You know, if my dad can come around, your dad can come around. I certainly hope so, man. It's, uh, it's again, with everything that has happened in the last year or so, there definitely has been a strain on our relationship just because of, you know, the way that the world is right now, the way that there's politics to everything. Everything. Um, just, there just right now is that strain. And I, I want the best case scenario of, Maybe he can look at me as an equal rather than as my kid, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. I will say, if that day ever comes where my dad and my stepmom decide to show up at one of my shows, God help everybody, because my stepmom will be the loudest, most obnoxious fan. So my stepmom grew up in the Boston area, and she spent most of her adult life in San Francisco. So when it comes to being a sports fan, she's a sore winner and a sore loser. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. (laughs) (laughs) She was, she, I swear, in the very early days of getting to know her, she had an entire shrine devoted to Dale Earnhardt Sr., the Intimidator. Wow. Yeah, she, uh, she will live or die by, like, if nobody knew better, people would assume she's a Seahawks fan, but she's not. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, no, she loves her teams, where she's from, and all that. She has the sports energy like a fellow Seattleite, and my dad just rolls with it. It's funny, nobody can ever guess my team. But continue. I think it's because you you play the cards real close to your chest. Yeah, I, I mean, I I watch sports, but I don't watch them by myself. I tell people all the time, it's hard for me to watch sports because 
My kids don't really understand what it is. Sure. A lot of my friends are spread out all over the world. I'm not going to do a Zoom or a FaceTime sports game watch. Yeah. That's weird. The equivalent of watching sports by myself is the equivalent of watching porno with friends. It's that is uh, weird. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is weird. Mm-hmm. And I will never do that. <laughs> that is that is a very fair analogy. Because you're just by yourself, like, woo, yeah. I was like, no. I'll say working as much retail and customer service, including two bartending experiences, the spectacle of American sports has, it's completely disenchanted on me. And I think a lot of that had to do with, there was a time where if I'm completely infatuated with a topic, I will just leave it on the channel about that topic and watch nothing else. So there was a time where for several months, I would watch nothing but ESPN. And then on top of all the jobs that I've had with rabid Seahawks fans, I worked at a bar that they, (laughs) so they didn't house Seahawks fans. They specifically barred Seahawks fans because it was a safe refuge for Washington State base Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Jeez. Uh-huh. So there was some money that exchanged hands with that owner, I believe. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it's just being around people that are way into sports and let the outcome of a game completely affect their day when they had no direct involvement in it. That's weird to me. Yeah, I don't. I will never understand that. And that's... I've seen people literally break out into fights over their favorite team. I'm like, why? Mm -hmm. You have nothing going on with this sport. You're not a coach. You're not a player. You're not an assistant. You're not a producer. You're you're nothing. You're a fan at home to literally throw down fists. How dare you talk about my Jets? You know, (laughs) my God. See, also armchair wrestler bookers. Oh, yeah. It's I I will go through YouTube. I've seen (laughs) When I go through YouTube, it's the worst. Like, yeah, the whole Nia Jax thing. Like, I don't understand why Oof. they keep her and why they don't just fire her. She's a botch machine. I would say she wins more than she botches. Like, you know, everybody botches. I know to what degree she does botch. The problem is that her botches are more noticeable. Right, right, right. Fans are more attuned to look out for that because. There is a precedence to look for that. Exactly, and that's an issue. Uh, I fully agree yep. with that. It's like once you, once you've seen a train wreck on a certain road, you're always looking out for another one. Yep, can't be helped. Mm-hmm. And yep. for her, it's she's good when she's good. She knows what she's doing. There's always the. I think sometimes she might be trying a new move that she's seen. Like she tried the shoulder breaker mm-hmm. on Charlotte, and I was like. You guys are at such a disproportionate size difference here. Yep. It doesn't really make any sense to try that move. And then not only did she miss the shoulder slam, she dropped Charlotte in such a way that she landed on her head. Yep. And from there is when everybody started watching. Like, she did Spine Buster this past Raw. And don't get me wrong. It was, for the most part, fine. It was just the way that she didn't grab Charlotte's leg in the way that it should have been grabbed. Yes. And when she took the back bump, she took it on her lower back. And she landed weird on her foot. And I was like, if that's a move that either Charlotte called and she's seen it, but never practiced it, and that's on Charlotte. 
Correct. Mm -hmm. However, Naya could have said no and did something else. Mm -hmm. Or Naya called it and hasn't practiced it enough. And that does happen. Especially when you are only conditioned in the WWE landscape where, correct me if I'm wrong, Nia Jax is like from the ground up WWE performance yes, center. Yes, absolutely. Else. She's mm -hmm. been there. I think even though the money's really good, she would do herself a favor to try to get around the world. Like when the world picks back up, I would say, yep. and try a Japan, try Shimmer, yeah. try AEW. And because you'll learn so much more. And if you ever come back to the WWE, you'll have so much more to offer because you went out there and learned. She's, in my opinion, she has the same issue I had where you're learning in front of the crowd. Yep. You can't just go out there and do that. It's not what you're supposed to do. Right. Because it's a completely different set of learning when you are like taking the advice from a Johnny Ace versus taking that and applying it to a match in real time. God, I would love just to have a month with Johnny Ace. Just one month. I think it'd be incredible. Yeah, man, Nia Jax is... She reminds me of a a woman Bam Bam Bigelow on certain levels. I was even going to say Bull Nakano. Bull, yeah. Bull is a good, a good comparison, too. I say Bam Bam because she's extremely, she's extremely agile because she's bigger than Bull. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't think Bull was ever that big. Maybe I'm wrong because I, I didn't see Bull until she got to WWF, and then sure. she was mm -hmm. gone pretty fast. Yeah, she was. Um, in fact, she is skinny as all hell now. That's right. That's and right. has always been gorgeous, mm -hmm. but she's really gorgeous now. No, I. Well, <clears throat> let me sign these papers real quick. Nah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a plane trip. Right, right, right. How are you, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> I can be your kryptonite. It just, just be like, how you doing? Right. Stop. Stop. How you doing? How you doing? Sadly, I've used that. But um, <laughs> Naya... <laughs> I don't blame you. Right. It works. Uh, and Naya is, I think, just give her some more time. I think she'll be fine. She's definitely not a bad wrestler, per se. She's on the biggest stage of them all. And yes. that's... She has a hard time to compete with certain people, but she's one dropped. I don't care. She's gorgeous. She, and not just by the face. She's a beautiful lady. The things that she can do are great. I think it's all about capitalizing on what she can do and trying to get rid of what she can't do. Let her have like let her have a formulaic match that she's had yeah. before. Joe has them. The Rock always had them. Mm -hmm. I would tell her like if she can take a couple months off, go hang out with Rikishi. But, you know, hey, man, she has a contract and I don't. I can only say I can say my. Yeah, it's and that's the, that's the thing is like the WWE train constantly keeps on rolling. It does not stop. And mm -hmm. any downtime will affect momentum. See also all the times that Sasha Banks has been on and off television. I, you and know, it helps her, actually. It helps her to recharge and to reinvent like her persona and come back with the ferocity, if you will. I'm also reminded of, like, again, you mentioned that it is the biggest stage in the world. It is unlike any stage that is out there. See also Ricochet. Ricochet is a phenomenal talent, but it just, there are things that appear that it seems like 
the WWE wheelhouse of performing and match having, it's it feels like it might be an obstacle for somebody like a Ricochet. Right, he's incredibly right. talented. Right, I gotta you gotta learn the promo style. You have to get over the you know a big thing with people, and this is just me. Mm-hmm. You can be a great wrestler, phenomenal. Even you can do all the flippity dippity stuff. I can't do it, so I will always give you credit for it. If you can't talk, that's a problem. A lot of the greatest champions in the world, the ones that we remember, talked. Roddy Piper talked. Hogan, even though he was not the greatest wrestler in America, he definitely was in Japan, could talk. Macho Man could talk. DiBiase, even though he never made it to where he should have, could talk. Even Kurt Henning could talk. If you don't talk, you don't learn to talk, you don't learn your character, or you don't have charisma, it's a different thing. You will only go so far. And that's you take you take a look at all those then now forever vignettes. Yes. All of those showcase the best mouthpieces that right. have ever graced the WWE. Ray, Ray Mysterio is probably the only one of the few people who is who's a memorable wrestler and a champ who doesn't talk much. And when he does, he's just fine. But it's like it's a it's a very rare that you'll see somebody who doesn't talk and makes it somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, God, thinking about it, Scott Hall could talk. Kevin Nash, oh my God, he could talk. Yes, he can. Like, it, and that's it's all about the balance. You can't just be a talker. You definitely need to walk it like you talk it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a thing for me. Um, Probably why I wish I have two longer promos when I cut them. <laughs> yeah. you know. And it's all in the art of marketability. There's so many aspects to it. You mentioned about Rey Mysterio might not be a good talker, but he is the most recognizable mass wrestler to have ever graced pro wrestling. Absolutely, no doubt about it. It's between him and Jushin. Correct, yeah. I would say from a regional standpoint, definitely oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jushin is the biggest in the East, and then Rey Mysterio in the oh, West. Absolutely, sure. which mm-hmm. it's... I wish we would have got that match. Yep. Would've we been... had a moment where, where it was possible. Right. Jushin made a random appearance in one NXT. NXT. Yeah. And it would have been awesome. But, you know, they're both up there. They both probably hurt. Yeah. But it would have been great. And that match in NXT was dope. And that's, yeah, you know, was. and uh, it's sad because that's the NXT that I think everybody's always going to remember. Yeah. And we're... Slowly, we're we're in the precipice of Trapper Keeper label right. NXT. Oh my God, I'm not. Um, we're gonna have I'm to not. talk about that sometime after the. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk with us. And uh, I feel like an eventual part two will happen in the foreseeable future. Absolutely, my friend. Ken Kirsty, thank you so much for taking the time. <laughs> Good, good, good. There's a re re reason. Don't you think? There's more to the story that can be. Of course, brother. Let me know if you have anything. I'm always here for you. Of course.
I'm always down to jump on an episode, even as a, as a secondary guest. Confirmed micro nation. Otherwise, what is the point? Take care, my guy. Well, I'm going to tell you, tell you. Soul, what is the meaning of this? Yeah, seriously, you're freaking me out. Sorry. I, I appreciate that, thank you so much. Seriously, Soul, what's on your mind? I have been thinking about how I wanted to say this for a while now. Over the last several months, this small podcast project that I thought no one would listen to became something so much more to the people that mattered most to me. I learned from my mistakes. I grew further understanding of the tools at my disposal. I took feedback from listeners in the area and I am thankful for everything that I have learned from this experiment. I am thankful that I have had guests that not only say yes to coming on to this show, but also unprompted say that this was a great experience to be on. And I'm flattered by that, especially given how unpolished this product is at times. There have been opportunities that have presented themselves. Some I have taken the ball and ran with, and others I am more hesitant to take on. The reason is very simple. I don't want to undersell the talent that I have on. If I'm going to grow the reputation of the Renegade Roundup, I need to focus the time, energy, and finances into making quality of life improvements to this set. And I just cannot do that right now. If I want to put respect into not only the Renegade Roundup brand, but also my personal brand, and the guests that I invite to this show, I need to step up my skill set, because right now, I am not as proud of my personal skill set as I want to be, despite the positive reception given. So for now, this season of the Renegade Roundup will come to a close. But more importantly, this will allow me the chance to work on improving my personal body of work in many aspects, including improving my personal physical health and conditioning. I was first introduced to the Pacific Northwest independent pro wrestling scene in 2017. And so many of those wrestlers have changed my life in ways I cannot begin to describe. It's not an exaggeration to say that you literally saved me. I have mentioned about my goals, but the truth is action speaks louder than words. And for now, it's time to hang up the mic and let my actions do the talking. So, with all due respect to Caden, as much as there is a need for podcasts like this, I will not be satisfied until I 
understand my role in the ring. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put into the ether my affirmations as not only a way for them to materialize, but to also have my peers hold me accountable in making it a reality. In 2022, I will be turning 37 years old. And I fear that if I don't take the steps now to get into physical shape and relocate to become a pro wrestler, that I never will. And that would be an injustice to all of you. As much as I have spoken chapter and verse about this is what I was always meant to do. So hear me now. In 2022, I will put in the work to improve my conditioning, my body mass, and my goal is in less than 12 months from now. I want to get back into those ropes, take those bumps, and prove to myself that I can do what I've always said I can do. I will not be a disappointment to those that lit the spark in my soul to make something better of myself. I will pay back in kind with the kindness many of the local performers and personalities have shown to me. I am a nobody working my way to become a somebody. And I will not let you down. For the coaches, the comrades, the rebels, and the real ones, Phoenix Soul will materialize what has always been beneath the surface. And I will make that happen. Or I will die trying. In case you didn't know, my name is Soul, and this has been the Renegade Roundup. I will see you in the next season, whenever that may be. Until then, be, be kind, kind to yourself. yourself. You, you are, are your, your own, own priority. priority. You, you matter. matter. Stay safe and take care.